And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Be the best and you gotta pay a little price. If you want it bad enough, you gotta do a little extra things to get it. Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodriguez, and with me, as always, my fabulous co host, Rich Hammond. Rich, how are we doing? Well, Jordan, uh, the Rams wore their bone uniforms. And uh, they won. This should be a lesson to everybody. Week before, I wasn't here with you. Blue, blue, loss. So, you know, I mean, everybody's known this for the last couple of years. Uh, the the pantalytics, as I think you coined it at one point. Pantalytics. Yeah. <laughs> one of the most brilliant phrases I've heard in a long time. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, Jordan, look, the Rams are two and two. Ha- how many people a month ago? would have thought that that was possible. I mean, that you you would not have found a lot of people who thought the Rams would have been two and two at this point, right? Correct. I think you're going to see a lot of people over the next couple of weeks, well, depending on how, you know, Philly goes, and then they've got Dallas looming on the horizon here. But you're going to see a lot of people talking about how, um, you know, you're going to see the tweets, right, of like, we owe Sean McVay and Raheem Morris an apology or, um, you know, can't believe how much this team is outperforming. And I am not a victory lap person. Um, and I don't <laughs> think these these guys will be either because they're young and they're hungry and they're motivated. I am old. I am still motivated. Uh, I am usually hungry. Also highly caffeinated. And uh, so I won't do any sort of a victory lap because I also was saying, you know, they think my my phrasing and my statement was, hey, even if I think it's a little insane that they think they're going to be better than people expect, they legitimately think they legitimately think that they will be better than people expect. So I don't even deserve a victory lap. I was just passing the message along. Frankly, like it was, (laughs) I was just, I was just passing the message along and I was sitting there myself with my eyebrows raised and kind of that, like, uh, that expression on your face when you kind of, you know, your chin tucks back into your neck, you look a little bit like a thumb, which I'm doing now. Yes. And you know, it's, it's like the, okay, bro, you know, right? and, but, but they are. And, and what I was, what I'm so excited for Rams fans about is that they, um, they're doing all the things they said they would do in terms of. The, the work, um, you know, I, I sort of took Sean McVay to task, respectfully, I, I hope, um, in my column after the Bengals game for not doing the things he said he would do. And yes. they turn around and they look inward and they turn around the next week and and they re- get back on track to doing the things that they said they would do, the things that they did in, in three of the four games um, right. that they said they would do. And this is a tough-minded group. It's a physical group. It's a lot of things that we also expected. Bumps on the defensive side, but a group that was going to fight the whole way. A group that's being really smartly schemed in terms of 
more diversity of pressure. The pressure is still not quite getting there the way that it needs to, but more diversity of pressure, packages, different looks, um, really aggressive, tight match zone on the on the back end. You know, the Rams are still only playing about 13% man frequency snaps, which means that their match zone, which we said, which I've said for years, that this is what it's supposed to look like. It is supposed to look like man adjacent concepts, tight, sticky, aggressive coverage out of a pre-snap zone look. And, and they're doing all these things. Um, they're starting to take the ball away a little bit. Akella Witherspoon, Jordan Fuller, two guys who have a huge hand literally in that. Um, Aaron Donald is being Aaron Donald. On the other side, Matthew Stafford is playing like a man possessed by some, you know, haunted demon from years past. And <laughs> this dude is just in full. Like I saw a tweet um, on the website we hate uh, now that's that's uh, was was interesting. It's kind of like, oh, he's he's in a uh, full like effort mode on his throws. And I, I actually like I pleasantly disagree with that. Yeah, I, think, I would. Too. I think, yeah. yeah, I think Matthew Stafford is like. F you mode with his throws. Right. Like, I, don't, I don't think he's in. I don't think he's in F it mode. I think he's in F you mode in the sense where he's like, right. this is all the things that I know that I've known that I can do that I am capable of. I feel great other than the hip. We'll get to that later. Um, this is the person I know I am. And every time he makes one of these insane throws, you see that little like soul snatcher kind of thing, that vibe that I keep talking about from that Tampa Bay game back on their Super Bowl run where this is the person he knows he is. And, you know, I think the receivers can't say enough about how much they've been developing Puka Nakua, Tutu Atwell. Like, we'll, we'll get to all of it. But I will say, it, this is about the time of year where you're going to start seeing people actually sit up and pay attention to this team. Um, this, Octo this October stretch is going to be tough because they now they've shown their potential. You know, three of the four games, they've shown what they're capable capable of doing in terms of the fight, um, you know, and in terms of of the the physicality, the competitiveness, the the schematic imagination, um, the good and the bad of some of the 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 uh decision making, um, but also mostly, I think mostly good decision making. And I just think that it's um you're gonna start to see people really sit up and pay attention to this group. And that's going to come with its own set of tests here in the second, uh, I guess, quarter of the season. Yeah, Jordan, I, I, you know, we're both realistic about this. So neither one of us is is in a hyperbole mode and neither one of us is sitting here or certainly you not in your stories saying the Rams are going to win the Super Bowl there. The, but you, you look at it and I, I think it's about the way that they're playing based on relative to the expectations or relative to what you thought this group might accomplish you know a month ago a lot of i mean when i did some occasional radio spots or whatever you know what question i got asked the most was are the rams tanking for caleb williams like that was the hot take question right like they're going to go two and 15 and they're going to be so awful that uh, they're just tanking to get caleb williams and and i understood the question but but at the same time you have to look at it and say well what was realistic for this group? And and I think at two and two with some of the football that they've played and 
by the way, Jordan, I think some of what you're saying here, not just the fact that they won the games, you can sometimes win a game and it's really ugly. And, you know, maybe the other team has seven turnovers or whatever. The way that they've played these games and the style that they've set out to play, as you described so well, leading up to the season early in the season, they had a plan. They're sticking to it. And it's working. It's not working to the point that they're 4-0. It's not working to the point that they are the top team in the NFC. So I don't think anybody wants to get any of that twisted. Uh, but you you look at what this could have been in the worst case scenario with some of this stuff, and it's so much better than, than I anticipated. I don't mind saying that. Um, I did not see some of this stuff coming, some of this progress that's being made this quickly. And I, I think if you're a Rams fan, you have to be heartened by that. Jordan, I know people will look at this game from a certain perspective and say, the Rams are up 23 to nothing and they needed to need they needed overtime to win this game. They blew a 23 point lead. Okay, I get it. That's the that's a fact. Uh, I also look at it and I say, yeah, but you know what? First of all, they played a darn near perfect first half. Again, relative to what they had, relative to the expectations. You, I I don't know whether there's a whole lot that you could nitpick out of that first half that that they that they did wrong. Second half, I have to think you have to give some credit to the Colts. They also had a quarterback back there, the Rams, who just he looked it, it was the most relatable to Matthew Stafford has ever been because Jordan, <laughs> he looked like me when I get out of My bed hip. every morning, <laughs> like trying to like you take those first few steps. Oh, oh, man. Oh, gosh. All right. I think I think I made it. And it, it like I was like, that that looks so familiar. I know exactly how that feels uh, that they were clearly uh, limited. By, by what he could do back there. It was not the same offense. The defense, yes, there were some explosives that you don't want to give up. Uh, I will note, Jordan, in case anybody needs to hear this, uh, that the Colts got back into the game down 23 to nothing by running the ball. Uh, they got it going <laughs> on the ground with, with Zach Moss a little bit, and it started to, to open things up. But honestly, Jordan, I didn't come away from that game. I, you, you can come away from that game two different ways. You can say you blew a 23-point lead and you barely hung on, or you can say, okay, all in all, that was a solid win. And I look back at that game and I say, all in all, it was a pretty solid win considering the circumstances, short week, early game, flying back and forth, your quarterback gets hurt. Uh, whatever else, I I think they were they can feel good about themselves coming out of that game with a win and and with a two and two record right now. Yeah, I think it's both for me, and both doesn't mean bad. It just means that it just means you could see where they're still growing, and that but that's like that was supposed to be every game this year, guys. Exactly, <laughs> like that's still every game this year. I mean, you could see where they're still growing, um, in a number of different ways. You know, I think these last two games. Um, I could see it. I don't know if he's going to change his fundamental principles of conservatism in play calling. I don't know if Sean McVay is going to ch fundamentally change how he feels about, um, the, the number of points you need or the number of, of possessions you need in order right. to like take your foot off the gas, which I think we all could agree. And he even said as much after the game, he went a little bit, you know, safer. He went a little, he played a little bit more, uh, conservative playing for field goals, uh, instead of for touchdowns, even when your quarterback's on a heater, um, which right. I, I fundamentally disagree with, but also, you know what, he's, he's the one making the decisions and, you know, I'm, I'm, I and others are allowed to disagree, but at the same time, like, I think that he, you could see from the last two games, 
he was sort of having these conversations out loud with himself slash when, you know, I'd ask him about these things. And it, it's it's kind of interesting because I think I almost wonder if once it becomes real, what this offense is and how it feels, because he's going off of feel. I mean, we talk about analytics and all of that all the time. I don't get the sense that it's, I know they have meetings about it. I know they have conversations about it. I know they have dialogue about it. When it comes down to making the actual decision itself, I don't get the sense that um, it's, it, it is out, it is weighed more or even close to how Sean McVay feels about the situation. Um, and, and you know what, that's some teams operate that way and it doesn't take away from the caliber of a coach that he is. It's just that when it starts to feel real, when it's starting to feel like, oh yeah, this offense is clicking, it's firing on all cylinders, um, which it did through most of the first half, by the way. But again, when you have more proof of concept, so to speak, um, I, I wonder if he'll loosen up a little bit. I wonder if he'll become a little bit more of like a um like a free play caller, you know, like someone who clearly is is riding that wave with the team versus pulling back in certain ways. And and I I think that um that'll that to me, when I see that as a person who, and he made a joke about this with me um in his press conference on Monday, as a person who sometimes tends to psychoanalyze people because this, that's what we do. We cover people, not just the sport. Um, I am waiting for that. I'm waiting for that moment because to me, that, that means to me that true connection with where the team is at. That means to me that true, um, if he really is, like he says, if the logic squares again, if, if his own logic, if he's adhering to his own logic, the feel and the flow of the game, that's his own logic that I'm really, I am really waiting for that moment where. He show like you can see that throughout with with him as a play caller because I think that that will that will be a significant step in his own journey as a coach. Um, and and on the other side of the ball, in terms of we're talking about growth, um, you know, this was like I kind of am like, yeah. So they had a couple explosives go and and you know the Anthony Richardson made some like freaking batshit plays that were so. Incredible the way he throws the ball and yeah. and throwing to his right, which by the way, as many people have noted, he didn't do as an effective job of in college. Throwing to his right, not only throwing to his right, while being hit while falling to the ground, an absolute laser down the field on a play that was supposed to have ended so much earlier than that. Mm-hmm. I wrote about that in my column to, uh, that's out today. Three Rams things. We're going to do that every week. Like people noted, Michael Hoyt should not be covering the tight end downfield down into the end zone. In that case, that is correct. He should not because the play was supposed to be over like way before he got the ball out um, because the blitz was supposed to get home. And then the quarterback was not supposed to be able to make that throw. But Anthony Richardson is so special that he is able to make that throw. Michael Hoyt's supposed to be there taking away the short option. Instead, he has to cover all the way downfield because, oh God, oh God, the play is extending, (laughs) you know, And uh, anyway, my point is this was supposed to be like this. Like, I think you can feel really good about this if you're a Rams fan, but you can also feel critical about some of the other things while understanding multiple things are true. It was supposed to be like this. You're supposed to be critical over some of the things in a productive way, not in a downer way, like because this was how it was supposed to be. There are always going to be things to fix. So win or lose this game, I think 
all of it, like both both can be true. I think it's a little bit sweeter seeing how they won this game. And and certainly two and two at this point in the year with this team um, looks a lot different than uh, than one and three. And I think that those are those are obviously things that tilt it toward more of the positive. But I think in terms of your your initial point, like I think it's kind of both. Like I think you yeah. feel really good about this, and you also look at it. You're like, wow, there's some real growth areas. But also, plus in addition to, also true that that was how it was supposed to be in the first place. You know, so it's kind of all gravy for the Rams right now. Yeah, it is. And I know Jordan. Before we wrap up this episode, we're going to talk some about you know Cooper Cup and his potential return and i think that that does when you when you talk about mcveigh's play calling and things like that i mean that's obviously going to have some impact um i don't know i'm not smart enough to know exactly what or how but but the game is going to change uh assuming that things progress uh as planned with cooper cup and that he gets back on the field um it's going to change things so we will talk about that in a little bit looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. But Jordan, let, if we could just dive in, you, you had some stats in your in your column today and on on, on Tuesday, I should say, um, about this Rams defense. And and just if, if you could dive into it just a little bit, maybe maybe on a bigger picture, um, because you were out there, you know, every day at training camp, you've been around this team every day. Um, and we just, you know, this game, this Indianapolis game, a pretty good microcosm because you had quite a bit of good and then some got a little shaky there. So if I could ask you to maybe like look at these four games collectively. And uh, specifically on the defensive side of the ball, if you could divide it up into categories, what has what has exceeded your expectations here in terms of the good? Uh, what is maybe about what you expected? Uh, and and is there anything that maybe is, you know, still falling behind a little bit that needs to uh, that needs to pick it up, I guess you might say? Yeah, the run defense has exceeded my expectations, not in terms of the yards per carry. That is a little bit skewed. So, okay, so they're 24th in yards per carry. That's not great. Um, That, to me, is a little skewed because, especially in these first four games, when you've seen teams try to bounce around the edges, like Kyle Shanahan did this a lot. Um, The the Seahawks tried this a lot. Uh, I thought Zach Taylor would try it more, but did not try it as much. Um, But when teams bounced around the outside, on them around those edges that are still kind of an issue um, in terms of that run, like securing the edge and pressure. We'll get to that. Like um, they're, you know, th- that's skewed a little bit in terms of those explosive, some of those explosives. I would, I would hazard a guess. I have to go deeper and look at it, but I'd say like, so they've allowed 10 run explosives so far this year. I would say probably like eight of them are, have been outside runs around those edges 
And so I think that that's where it skews it a little bit, because when you look at their defensive rushing success rate, so that's the rate at which opponents can run a successful rush play against this group, they're actually 11th. So that that shows not only how skewed those successful outside runs can make their yards per carry, overall, they are 11th in uh, limiting successful rush plays, basically, is how I'd put that. So that's significantly better than what I thought they would be. Adding Aaron Donald is a huge factor in that. But the growth of Kobe Turner, I think, is huge. Um, Jonah Williams, I think, is incredibly underrated in there. A couple tackles for loss. Um, Michael Hoyt on inside runs, I think, has been impressive. Outside runs, you know, again, we'll talk about it. But, like, the, the, the inside stuff that teams have tried on them, like, I think has been pretty impressive in terms of some of the guys who you adding Aaron Donald to anything is going to make life so much better. But that, that being said, also true is some of the growth we've seen, you know, Bobby Brown kind of went from, is he going to actually be in the starting rotation to, okay, he's making some plays now. Um, Yeah. And Jonah Williams, like I said, he, he's really stepping up Kobe Turner. I could not be more impressed with his growth over the first four games and truly, since you know the the spring and summer months, um, that that's pleasantly surprising to me in terms of that was my one of my biggest concerns coming in. Now, can it get better? Absolutely. Will it? Would it always help to have a space eating nose tackle in there to free up everybody else, um, a la you know Ashawn Robinson of of the last couple of years? Did the Rams talk about adding such a player if he were to exist at a, at the right price? Absolutely. However, with what they've got right now, they're making, I think they're making a lot of it. Um, you know, they are 10th in yards, 15th in points. That's about, honestly, again, that's about where they've wanted to be as long as they've had a um, a top offense, which their offense is eighth in EPA through the first four weeks. So that's, that's great. They want it. That was that was the idea. If you can build a roster that has um, its floor is about a middle of the pack defense in, as they're young and they continue to grow and you have a top 10 offense, then you ha- you're able to complement what you can do. You're able to have a, a team that, that's got a real chance in, in a lot of these games. Um, where I think I am uh, less impressed is they're currently 15th in explosive plays allowed, 25 explosive plays allowed. This w- this has always been a defense that's built to stop the explosive play. Obviously, that number got pretty skewed on um, uh, on Sunday against the Colts, particularly in the second half um, when it was like seven of these twenty five explosive plays occurred, um, yeah. which is significant. So, you know, I think if they can they can cut down on that, but again, like that's sort of the bargain you make, right? Your offense is playing more explosively. So your coverage can be stickier and tighter. So maybe sometimes there's going to be some breakdowns and and guys are going to get behind you. Tightening those types of things up while keeping the aggressive coverages intact. I'm not surprised by the aggressive coverages because I've been watching them since the spring and was able to finally write about them with two weeks before the season, because uh, at that point I wasn't going to get like, you know, (laughs) <laughs> dart to the neck for doing so. Um, but not surprised by that at all. Not surprised by the emergence of Akella Witherspoon. He's been doing that since camp started. Um, certainly not surprised by Jordan Fuller. He's been doing that since he got here. 
um, not surprised by Ernest Jones. I mean, it's just, but it's interesting because some of the, some of the things that, um, putting it all together was, was something that you just didn't know how it was going to look. And I, I do think that it has been, and, and then they're also, one thing I am kind of surprised by, but in a, but in a positive way is I was texting with my good friend, Cody Alexander, who you guys know is like one of the most brilliant defensive minds currently working today. And, and just awesome. If you're not going to follow him on Twitter at match quarters, you need to go do that. But he and I were texting back and forth the other day on this and the, the, the types of pressures that Raheem Morris is designing out of necessity, frankly, um, because they just are still, they're just limited outside of, of Aaron Donald. Byron Young is really coming along. He's, he's got, uh, I think he's tied for quarterback hits right now with, uh, Micah Parsons, which is, you know, not bad. Um, he's Byron Young. I've been really impressed with, but you know, he's a rookie. He's got some, some ways to go. And Aaron Donald is still occupying as much attention as ever, even though he is still as Aaron Donald as ever, but, um, you know, they, they just aren't getting consistent snap over snap pressure. So the ways that they're dialing and scheming this pressure up is really interesting to me. You're seeing more two linebacker sets because you're also seeing double linebackers taking the place of one three technique on the line of scrimmage, allowing Aaron Donald to rush from the edge. Instead of throwing in another interior defensive lineman, you're putting two linebackers as like, it's like two kids in a giant coat, you know, like it's, it's one person. You're putting two right. linebackers, two inside linebackers on the line of scrimmage, Ernest Jones and Christian Roseboom in order to take the place of one three technique and and then like Aaron Donald's rushing off the edge. Like it's just cool. Like stuff like that that they're doing and they're playing, they're taking away more of the quick game stuff with using Quentin Lake as a dime linebacker. I actually don't mind Michael Hoyt playing in the bonus hook. I know that drives some people crazy, but I seriously do not mind it because you can see team quarterbacks do not want to throw if he a massive person is right there um, on the on the underneath, like the check down play. Right. It's it's another way to force a quarterback to throw where they don't want to throw, right. um, even though it looks. I get it. It looks odd, um, but but yeah, I just it's the cre- there's some creativity. It's like some some trying stuff, um, some sort of just like like um, just like damn what they say. Let's let's try it you know, kind of, kind of stuff right. going on with the defense. And I think that's just such a vibe with the the youth of the group. Um, and you could tell Aaron is having a lot of fun with that type of mentality. So um, it's just been, it's just been really interesting to watch. Yeah, I, I'd agree with all that. And I, I thought that's what this year was going to be about for this defense. And, and you look at it, I'm just flipping through here. I mean, you, you look at regulation, I mean, 13 points against Seattle, uh, 19 against the Bengals, and then obviously this one goes to overtime. Is 23 in in regulation uh, against the Colts. I, look, I I don't know what what. Obviously, the 49ers game got away from them, especially in the, in the second half. Uh, they they played pretty well for the for the first half. I just don't know what the what the expectation was going to be. I saw a very real scenario in which a lot of this went wrong, and the Rams were going to need to score 35 points a game just to be competitive in some of these games. Yeah, and it turns out you only need uh, like 14 to 26 <laughs> to be competitive, right? Which is 
to, to your point, Jordan, and and I, you know, I, I know Rams fans understand this, but maybe sometimes it needs to be heard beyond, you know, the the Rams fan bases. That is always going to be the ethos, I think, of a Sean McVay coach team. Right. Like that is it, even the best of times. Like that's that's the way that they want it. That's the way they want to construct their team. Ev- that's the everything way. revolves around the offense, including exactly. structurally and philosophically how the defense is work or how the defense is built, how the defense is called, how the defense, um, it's how its ethos changes dependent on what the offense is producing as, as we know, continue. No, I totally agree. And I just, I, I know we, we've talked about this for, for, you know, three years now, so it's not any, anything new, but it's just a little bit of a reminder. Kobe Turner, I really, you know, I'm not surprised that you had mentioned his name, but wow, I mean, you, you watch the games and he's just the, the guy who jumps out. Uh, at the screen uh, at you really surprised uh, in, a, in a positive way to, to see that development, to see him being um, so disrupted there. Byron Young coming off the, the edge. I mean, just you see, I mean, that number zero pops anyway, but you just see his body type and you know exactly who he is without even seeing the number. Uh, really, really interested to see how he progresses and, and what he can bring. Because that's obviously huge, huge uh, part of of this uh, group, so yeah, very very intrigued, and and again, I, I I think if you're a Rams fan, you have to be encouraged by what you've seen. Let's jump over to the offensive side a little bit. And by the way, I didn't, I didn't want to get this. Get, I don't I don't want to make a huge discussion point out of this, but I'm just curious. You know, Ronnie Rivers, I, I see him running the ball, and and maybe it's a little bit of a case where it's a guy who gets his first real opportunity of the season, and he's just ready to boom out of the gates and get going. I really like the way that he ran the ball. And I, I don't say that as any type of negative compliment to Kyron Williams, who I thought did a, did a nice job also. But uh, what, what was that from Ronnie Rivers? He looked like he was running with some authority out there and with with a little bit to prove. Did that did that surprise you at all? Or is that uh, just kind of what, what he's going to bring? No, it didn't surprise me because um, it sort of got lost under the fact that only 12 runs were called against the Bengals, but on, by the way, I know I was, <laughs> I was like, man, Rich, we really miss your, your, uh, your input here, my friend. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, people know, people know so well that I was getting tweets. Like, yeah, where's, no, where's no. Rich Hammond? Yeah. what? Nobody needs to hear my rants, but just go, go back to the last two years. It's the same thing. The same anyway, thing. it got, it got kind of buried under the, um, under all that, uh, you know, I got some, wow, this aged poorly kind of, uh, messages on the no. story I wrote on Monday. I was like, well, I can't control how much they call the run game guys. But like right. the, I was raging against the machine, like everyone else. <laughs> um, and, uh, so, um, it was interesting because <laughs> that story was about how they've overhauled a lot of their schematic philosophy in the run game. Like they've always had a lot of the mid zone, stuff they've had the wide zone they've also done some power some gap stuff not a lot um but now they're running a ton of gap concepts now gap concepts what happens there um kyron williams graciously took me through kind of step by step of like what to watch for and like great great teaching moment um that's what i love about being back in the locker rooms this time of year is like there are always teachers around people willing to teach and explain things. So it's not just coming from, this is my opinion. It's coming from, no, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in school every day. Like this is what I'm learning. Um, and so the, um, the interesting thing about these gap schemes that they really feel is that it's, if you understand how the blocking layer is going to layer out, 
Um, there's more movement with the offensive line. So like when you see gap schemes, you're going to see more pullers, which means offensive linemen coming across the formation to block, um, whether it's over on the front side or down the back side, like you're, you're seeing more movement from the line, crisscrossing patterns, things like that. Well, if you understand where the hole is supposed to be based on the manifestation of all of that movement, you don't pause, you just hit the hole. And um, I, because uh, I'll get to this in a minute, but because I was um, watching the broadcast on Sunday instead of at the game as originally planned in Indianapolis, um, what was really interesting was hearing the broadcasters talk about, yeah, and they, and like these two running backs, like they don't dance around, they just go, they just hit the hole right away. Well, that's a quality and a characteristic both the coaching staff identified in both of those players, not just mm. Kyron, but Ronnie as well. Mm. And those are characteristics that really started to show up, as I wrote in that story, as especially as they started for real installing their run game away from the prying eyes of training camp and all the people taking videos on their phones and Kyle Shanahan lurking on various burner accounts to see what everyone's doing in sport, in football that we, you know, just kidding, but not really, but like, but like, you know, it's, it's, it's all like, it's, it's very paranoid and private. And so when those things start actually getting put together, like this game plan run, run game is actually starting to be installed. You're really starting to see what is needed from those running backs. That's not a coincidence at that time to see some of the movement they made in terms of personnel, but then also, um, the emergence of Ronnie Rivers, because Ronnie Rivers, that is a stylistic quality of how he runs the ball. You even saw it in the preseason when they were doing some different things. I mean, he doesn't wait. He, there's no pay. If, if you if you're going to be a full outside zone team, this would not work because you need people who can find those layers, who can navigate, have the patience. I would say that Cam Akers is actually is a really, really good runner when it comes to um, you know, stack and climb, stack and climb, the different types of layers unfolding, sort of rippling outward as an outside zone run game philosophy, like a core philosophy does. Well, that philosophy completely changed. <laughs> and at this point, it's now, I would say that they're um, based on the statistics, the statistics, the internal statistics that I'm looking at, absolutely more like 180 in terms of the uh, the frequency of man blocking they're running a ton of duo. They're running some power, especially in in a short yarded situation, some blast concepts. They're running all kinds of um, just a lot of movement to open these holes and to get one on one matchups with linemen um, on blockers. And and it is and to and to open those gaps. And, and it is really interesting because um, you're seeing you're seeing that the running back, these two running backs, they aren't I you know, they are the. uh hit the hole immediately kind of like that's what they prefer. And Kyron was vocal about that. He prefers that style uh, of running. Ronnie Rivers is this is a very similar. You, you hear Sean McVay allude to this all the time. Very similar to Kyron in, in that regard. And so mm-hmm. I'm not surprised to see Ronnie Rivers do this. Um, it is interesting. I think that like this was. This was such an enormous effort to get this scheme kind of off the ground and in this direction. And it was a collaborative effort. Again, go back and read that story, please. Like um, Nick Cayley and Ryan Wendell and Mike Munchak as a consultant and Mike LaFleur and a lot of those philosophies that he brought over from his time in San Francisco and 
you know, Sean has been sort of itching and hankering to do this for a couple of years, but injuries and um, then not quite the the offensive line staff in place. Um, and then, you know, then you have, you know, again, more injuries on the offensive line and then at running back. And now this is the year. So it's like, that's why when, when you see a balanced attack the way that it was on uh, in two of these three or in three of these four games, that's when you're like, yeah, this is what it's supposed to look like. And then when you see the opposite, you're like, that's hard regression, right? <laughs> that's hard <laughs> regression. I mean, yes. I understand like some of the things that they said were happening that I think you still could adjust to. I say this respectfully because I'm obviously not in the chair or in any of the chairs, you know, working on that or helping with that. But it is it is fascinating because um, you could see the vision, even if they didn't have quite until this last week, they didn't quite have like the big game. You could still see the vision of what it was supposed to look like. And then on Sunday against the Colts, it really executed to, I think, the way that they want to see it. And, and it's interesting because. Like they played for overtime in part so they could run the ball. Like what was- a time to be alive. Yeah, I, I noticed that too when I was looking at my notes and and how they were running the ball and even into overtime when when they called some plays for for Kyron and running there. So I, I agree, Jordan. Like it's and it's not as somebody who kind of pounds the table and says you know run the ball, run the ball. Like I'm not even saying that this has to be a run first offense or that it should be a run first offense, but it's just you see what it can be when when they have that type of balance and and even when the run game isn't totally dynamic all the time, but they stay with it and it and it gives them what they need. I thought, like you said, Jordan, you know, three of these four games have given them that template that you can say it's not going to be pretty all the time. It's not going to be beautiful dynamic but it's it's going to give you what you need especially if you get that type of running out of Kyron and Ronnie like they did uh this past week in particular very very interesting all right Jordan let's get into it because everybody wants to know of course I'm sure you everywhere you go in the streets I know people stop you on street corners uh at coffee shops everywhere and say Jordan (laughs) what's going on with Cooper Cup my fantasy team needs to know what's going on with Cooper Cup uh, but in all seriousness, we've, we've reached a really important part, uh, obviously, in, in Cooper Cup's uh, recovery and in his season IR. So as we sit here right now, we're recording early Tuesday afternoon. We always know that things can change quickly. Uh, but where do they stand right now with Cooper Cup and, and what are his short term prospects? Are you perhaps saying you'd like a cup date? A cup date. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so you should trademark that. I'm horrified at myself. <laughs> it's good. Uh, Rich is like revolving in horror in his chair, even though he sounds even though he sounds positive. No, I I love a great dad joke. <laughs> Analytics cup date. We're rolling. Yes. Um yeah, so Cooper Cup's gonna return to practice this week. Uh, that will ele- that will activate his 21-day window. Um, as you guys know, or I hope you know, and if you don't know, I'm happy to explain. Um, if he does not return to the official 53-man roster by the end of that 21-day window, um, he has to go on long-term IR, which means season-ending IR. Um, this is, I think, really positive for the Rams, who on the Rams' side, they don't sound like they're going to rush 
Rush Cooper. It was interesting. I asked Sean McVay on Friday um, because there's been these illusions from uh, Sean and others like, oh, he's really can't wait to get back out there. Like he really wants to be back on the field with his guys. And Cooper is going to the road games and and he's contributing in every way. He's even throwing the ball in quarterback drills, to the receivers, because they don't have a third <laughs> quarterback on the roster right now. And so um, they are like he's as involved as you could possibly be. But he just it, he literally is not allowed to do any practice work or any type of team work because uh, that's actually like involvement in those drills as a receiver because he's on injured reserve. That's the rule. Right. So that also means like he's doing his rehab, by the way. I've gotten like some weird questions about this. That also means he's doing his rehab where we we don't see it. Remember, media is only allowed to watch about 12 minutes of practice per day at this point. Um, because those are the in-season rules for every team across the league. So we watch individual drills, which is like get in line and throw a ball or take handoffs or work on play action or, um, you know, hit sled or, you know, team like position specific drills split off into groups, not actual team offense, defense and um, and stretching. And so we don't see his Lots workouts. Of stretching. I cannot tell you what his workouts look like because we don't see them because we are not able to see them. So I've, I don't I've gotten some weird questions about that. But yeah, so he can return to practice this week. That's great for the Rams because it's not just about getting him back on the field and drills and stuff. It means that a, a lot of the things that they've been theorizing about in the early morning sessions or the late night sessions outside of their normal game planning about what it will look like when Cooper is back on the field with Puka Nakua, with Tutu Atwell, with Van Jefferson, with Ben Skronik, Tyler Higbee, Bryson Hopkins, all those Kyron and, and Ronnie, all those guys, all the theorizing can start to get into application. It can fold into the game planning. Um, at the same time, the biggest thing about getting him back at practice is seeing how he can get back to practice. Because again, he's literally not allowed to participate in receiver specific football activity. He can toss the ball to his teammates uh, at in, in drills or whatever. Like it's not a, it's not a regulated thing. He cannot participate in any part of the practice as a receiver. And so that, and that's the rule of, of injured reserve. So you're going to see what he looks like. The Rams have all of these tools from their sports science department under Reggie Scott and Zach Witherspoon, where they're going to see what, how the hamstring is producing, um, how it's recovering, how Cooper is moving, how all of the different like GPS data points that they're going to be able to track now that he's just to see how he is and what return to performance actually looks like. You have 21 days to do that. That is plenty of time to figure out um, yes, he can return or, or, Hey, maybe he needs another week of getting his quite literally his legs back under him or, um, you know, hopefully not in the Rams case, but if in case of a setback, you do have time. And so, um, my gut would say that because again, knowing Cooper and how competitive he is, especially coming off of a week like this last one, my gut would tell me he would want to get back on the field as quickly as possible. That being said, there might be some hesitancy from the team just wanting to, um, you know, see how he really is. Is this the right game to come back? Those types of things. Um, you know, 
I I stress this a lot. I, I think that some in the organization actually even may laugh at me for stressing this as much as I do, but I think there's some some hard data and science behind it. I would be hesitant about coming back on turf. The problem is, is that all the games are going to be on turf at SoFi until the end of the month. So you don't really have that as an option. So I there's all of these variables and layers that come back into it. Um, and then at the same time, you know, Sean McVay said Friday, I asked him directly, like, how much do you weigh the player's opinion? And he very like it, it caught everyone off guard, frankly, like he very firmly was like 100 percent. I take his opinion. He knows his body like he was he was like um, like I almost wondered if they had already had a conversation because of how firmly he was putting that out into the world in a press conference setting mm-hmm. Um, in in how emphatic he was about. Um, I trust what Cooper says when he's ready. I trust what Cooper says. And so um, that was interesting to me. That kind of said, oh, maybe, you know, I I don't think we can totally rule out Philadelphia. I think it's a I don't think you like Sean McVay said, I don't think you pigeonhole yourself into saying like it has to be that day. But I don't think that you I mean, you always because of how significant um, a soft tissue injury is and how how um, how much can fluctuate. And how difficult it is to to manage. Um, I think you're just looking at a lot of gray gray space right now, and every day is going to be a new checkpoint, in my opinion. And w- so when I say, you know, I get all the tweets like, "Do you have a cup update? Do you have a cup update?" Which guys, come on, we're missing an opportunity. Do you have a cup date? Let's cup just start date. it now. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and don't miss that opportunity, guys. If you're gonna send that tweet to me, send the right one. Right. Um, and so, but but seriously, every day will be a step. Every day will be important because of how finicky those soft tissue injuries are and how many variables are, are in this equation right now. Oh, yeah. So many. And, and not surprised to hear that uh, out of Sean McVay. And I, I think there's a level of trust there uh, with the players. And I, I think you want to foster that with your players, too, both ways. You want them to be honest with you. And when they tell you that they're ready to play, they're ready to play. And if they can also come to you and say, you know what? I'm not ready right now, uh, then that's equally important, probably more important uh, to, to be able to have that that open conversation and to know that your players can trust you and, and t- be honest with you uh, with with how they're feeling. So, um, yeah, a little surprised to hear that as adamantly said publicly um, as he would, but um, also think that's that's probably the right approach. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And and then the other side of it, Jordan, and I know you've been you've been you know making some phone calls and talking to people about this uh, already, and you've gotten some interesting stuff. Is just literally putting Cooper Cup back in this offense, and you would look at it and say, well, 
that's easy. He's Cooper Cup. He's, you know, just a, a little bit removed from being the uh, triple crown receiver best in football. So it's obvious you're just going to put him back in. But but this Rams offense, they've had four games now where they've had to adjust and, and some things have developed. Nobody in the world thought Puka Nakua, fifth round draft pick, as I know you've noted in your uh, in your columns a couple of times, fifth round draft pick Puka Nakua. Uh, nobody expected this. <laughs> nobody thought he was going to play this big of a role in the offense. N- nobody, I don't think, even thought Tutu Atwell. Be- Not even become... the Rams, by the way, because otherwise they would have drafted him. Right. Right exactly. Round. Yeah, them so... and 31 other teams. But <laughs> you know what I'm saying here, Jordan? Some other things have developed out of necessity during these past four weeks, and quite a few of them have been positive things that you want to retain as much as possible. So you obviously want him in your offense. You love his skill set, everything about him, but also retaining those other positive qualities that you've developed while he's been out. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't think that this is complicated, actually. I think that there's a lot of, well, not to, not to, you know, diminish the, the work that's going to go into game planning and designing this offense, like not to diminish that at all, but, but I really don't think this is overcomplicated. I don't think that, um, and, and mostly I see like people on the outside kind of overcomplicating it in terms of like, well, how are they going to be on the field together if they're doing the same thing? They're not doing the same thing. Um, Puka Nakua is Robert Woods. Okay. And Cooper Cup is Cooper Cup, right? And we're not looking at 2021 Cooper Cup and 2021 Robert Woods when Matthew Stafford was still not really throwing the ball to Robert Woods (laughs) at the start of the season until Robert Woods like actually met with Sean McVay to talk about it. Um, No, we're looking at Sean McVay, who, by the way, has been referencing the 2017 and 2018 seasons constantly, Hmm. constantly. We're looking at Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, 11 and a half personnel, Cooper Cup, modern twists on what they used to do. That's I I don't think this is overcomplicated and I don't think they should overcomplicate it because I think that shit still works, man. Like you see it. But but modern, modern twists, modern twists on things. So like now. You're going to be doing it with a gap scheme run game, a physical run game. You're going to be doing that with um, you're going to be doing that with even though you don't have Todd Gurley, you're doing a different style of run that you're that you're using to set up the pass. You're doing a lot of illusion of complexity with some of the motions you're using in the run game. Um, You're using motions way differently than you did in 2017 to set up the pass game. So you're still using motions like you were in 2017 with Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, but you're just using them differently to get your players into space. You're moving the the field um, wider in terms of um, what you can do with your pass concepts. Some of the shotgun and drop back elements that Matthew Stafford adds to the equation. Um, you're adding the empty set, some of those things. So it's like a modern, a modern evolution, a modern take on some of the quote unquote, it's not even long enough to be a go to be a throwback, but some of the throwback stuff that they were doing. I don't think it's that complicated. Puka Nakua is already in the, like doing a lot of the Robert Woods run game blocking role stuff. When Cooper cup comes in, you just add it like you just and and Cooper Cup, by the way, is the F. He's not X, Y, Z. He's all of them, by the way. He could play all of them. He could do right. all those things. We need to forget about letters at this point. <laughs> right. and think, no, I'm serious. I, no, listen, I know. I'm yeah. going to put this on a freaking T-shirt. Forget about letters. Think about space. That is exactly what this group is going to be doing. They're not going to be thinking, oh, he's the Y. Like they're not going to be doing any of that crap. Like they're going to be thinking, um, 
fluidly or they should. And I, if I know anything about the people who are going to be running this thing, like that's how they'll be thinking is they're going to be thinking about this in terms of manipulating quantities and areas of space and not necessarily where somebody is aligned pre-snap and what box they're in. And for that reason, that's part of the reason why Cooper Cup has thrived in the way that he has is because they think of him that way. They think of him yeah. as he's the F, which means he can do everything. He yeah. do, he can line up in any receiving position along the field and, and does, by the way, some higher frequency than others, but and does. But then also he's he's utilizing and deploying tight end blocking or fullback blocking concepts. And he's also um, helping to manipulate some of the pre-snap stuff that you're doing in the run game. And he also has the option routes. That will not change. He's still Cooper Cup, for God's sake. I mean, you 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 think he will be, right? Coming off the injury, you don't know. But that that's not going to change. The thing that changes is you now have a second receiver in Pukunakua who you are um, adding to the solar system. If you look at the center as like the sun, right? And the center and Matthew Stafford combination, like that little, that little stack right there with the little, uh, if Kyron Williams is right there on Matthew's left side, just look at that as the little, the, the sun, right? And all in the passing game specifically, all of the blocking structures away from the ball and all of the pass game, it doesn't have a fixed spot. It orbits. Everything orbits. And it it, it, it is um, all about creating mathematical leverages with players who can do multiple things and ver- be versatile. And that is what I think the vision is. And so I don't think it's overcomplicated. You're thinking now in terms of space and not in terms of um compartmentalized structure, which I think is so cool, like from a football fan's perspective, what's what's possible here. And I think that if if they keep, if the coaching staff keeps an open mind and Puka and continues to ascend in the way that he is, I think that it lifts everybody because then you have more opportunity, like defenses will have to change and adjust to the space that you're exploiting. And when they change and adjust to, to a certain space that you're exploiting, then other spaces open <laughs> and sure. other spaces bring other opportunities for a tutu Atwell, who's had an outstanding start to his season for um, I think for Van Jefferson, even though I think, you know, there's been, it's been a little shaky for him to start the year. Um, you you want to see him emerge as, as that vertical threat that they, uh, that they really need him to be, especially by the way, because of how the Rams are just crushing teams in zone. If certain teams, which you can't change your philosophy whole, wholesale, but if certain teams in a zone dominant NFL try to deploy situationally more man concepts, that opens up spots for players outside the hashes, which we, we've seen Van Jefferson be this player. And then also Tutu Atwell as well. But think about it this way, too. You're not only doing that, you're also adding Tutu Atwell and all of the motions that he's running. You're also adding all of the motions. Puka was just doing the jogging motion that they opened up the season with Tutu Atwell and on a uh, and then he continued to run. He like basically ran a circle. <laughs> like if you go to the all 22, he still ran the over route off a jogging motion. He basically ran like six thousand steps. <laughs> it's an exaggeration to get to if we're looking at Pythagorean theor- theorem to get to like a 200 step concept, but he ran a full, basically a full circle around the formation because he was in that jogging motion. It got him space. And so it's interesting because you, you have, it's not that you are, that's the thing. And this is what drives me nuts about like old school football, whatever, which I love in terms of like the run game and controlling line of scrimmage and all that stuff. 
But I think it's so archaic to think having both on the field is limiting because it's not. It shouldn't be. If you're thinking about space and not letters, it should be the most freeing freaking thing in the world. Um, and, and to that point, um, you know, I have been talking to people about this this week. And, and I, the first person I thought of last week when Sean was pretty emphatic about Cooper returning to practice was, was Tori Holt. Because Tori Holt came in and there was already going to be questions about ball distribution and and they became the greatest show on turf. I'm not saying that this is the this is what this the trajectory of this current group is, but the trajectory of how Tori Holt came in and started contributing to that group. And then all of a sudden it started making sense and everybody was eating right? Everybody was getting the ball and it just, it started really making sense. That vibe, that ethos is I think what the Rams should be seeking for here. Um, I have a story coming out that I've double bylined with Ted Wynn, our fantastic analyst at The Athletic. And I interviewed Tori for this story and it it explores a lot of different things about the Rams offense right right now, but also looks ahead to what's possible um, when Cooper Cup does come back to the field. Um, and, um, I just thought Tori was really insightful and, and, you know, you can't always fit everything into a print story. And I just thought Tori was so great that I really just wanted to give you guys a chance to listen to an excerpt from that interview. So here's, I I just pulled like eight minutes of, um, what I thought was some of the, the most insightful, illuminating parts. And, and so here's Tori. What do you envision some of those layers? looking like obviously Cooper will draw a ton of attention but the Rams and and especially under Sean you know that they'll they'll scheme some things some layers of things and and they have to and because Tutu really has emerged too they'll have they'll have sort of a three-layer offense again what what do you kind of envision those types of of layers looking like when Cooper can get back onto the field I I, I expect more vertical push from from Mm -hmm. Cooper because Puka could actually, he's ha- he actually has a burst and an acceleration. He can run. Mm-hmm. You know, UIU, they ran him on a lot of crossing patterns because he had speed to kind of run away from the defender. So I'm looking forward to seeing when Cup comes back and he's taking, taking advantage of some of those intermediate things in that 20 to 20 yard range and down. Now, and Cup can get past you too, but I think now we'll start to see the next phase of of uh, of Puka Nakua's game in terms of some of his speed, his vertical stretch, I think is the next layer to the offense that you'll see in, in his regards. Both he and Tutu Atwell. Now we have a uh, we have we have Cooper Cup, a healthy Cooper Cup back in the offense. And then if you and how however and if they want to use Van inside in the slot, those two guys eating up the middle of the football field. And Van can stretch it too, but those two guys eating up the middle of the field now. Tutu. And Puka now extends mm-hmm. the field. And when Cooper Cup comes back, he's going to be very highly trusted in throwing Cooper Cup the football. Mm-hmm. Now you have multiple guys um, that are trusted that can get the ball. For defenses, it's like, okay, now who do we stop? Do we stop Cooper Cup? Now Puka Nakua and Tutu Atwell and Jefferson, those guys get some one-on-one opportunity. Now do we take away Puka Nakua? Now Cooper Cup gets... So now it now becomes... It can it can become a situation where it's pick your poison more so than looking at who's going to if there's going to be enough balls around. If there's enough balls to go around. I think Coach McVay can do a really good job of, of scheming and, and putting guys in their sweet spots uh, where they're comfortable getting the ball 
uh, and then have an opportunity to to express themselves. So I look at it as a good thing when Cooper mm-hmm. Cup comes uh, personally because there's more there's more trusted pass catchers now in the offense, which helps Kyron Williams now in, in in Rivers and those guys running the ball because now they're running against favorable boxes because teams are now playing cover two high shells, taking off taking linebackers out of the box to protect. Mm-hmm. Really good passing game. Then Kyron Williams is hitting. And now all of a sudden defenses are saying we got to now put those guys back in the box. And now Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua and Tutu Atwell now have more running lanes, more um, uh, free access into your defense to cut you up. So I look at it as a good thing, Jordan. Yeah, it was funny. Puka was laughing post-game the other day because he was like, uh, when Cooper gets back, my run blocking will get easier. <laughs> and it's because he was talking about because those defenders are not going to – he's not going to be – you know, squaring up on like a, a blitzing, you know, out, a blitzing linebacker, a blitzing safety. That's, like he's that's right. <laughs> right. That's, that point, that point is correct. And now Cooper Cup can take take um, some responsibilities for some of those blocks. You know, as he continues to get healthy. So it's a, you know, it's a give and take there, man. You do my, you do your job. I do mine. I do. We we do each other's job. We do it at a at a very high high level in a very complimentary way. That's what I'm looking forward to see is. How they, for one, how it looks, how they look on the field together. Because Cooper mm-hmm. Cup, and I tell people this all the time, Cooper Cup is six two, y'all. He's not a small dude. Puka Nakua is not a small guy. Van Jefferson <laughs> has some, so he's a, now Tutu's on the, on, on the smaller side, but Tutu can run. Like, I'm just looking forward to seeing how it looks, how they complement each other. There's certainly a, when I watch those two and I watch that group, there's certainly a respect for Cooper Cup. Um, they look to him for uh, encouragement. They look for him for um, for uh, for guidance. They look for him for the answers. Uh, they look for him for the experience. He's so great at, at great at it and such a good part of what they do because he doesn't mind sharing that information to guys who are sponges. Like Puka Nakua is a sponge. And so now being able to see him out on the field with a guy that he's learned so much from and going to continue to learn from and to see him actually work, I think it's going to really lift his spirits even more and, and it's going to allow him to be continue to be even better as the season goes. And it's going to also going to push Cooper Cup, you know, to make sure to, that he's playing at a, at a high level because he sees the energy and the, and, and, and the want to by a young guy in Puka Nakua kind of reminds he probably sees himself a little bit at times mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're going to really fuel the fire really fuel them to play really good football together i'm excited to watch it whenever it happens i'm excited just to kind of again see what it looks like together yeah me too i think um and then the last the last question i have for you and you touched on this in, in your last comment but um you know, it's a it's a unique dynamic when you do have that much potential and there's that many mouths to feed, quote unquote. And then there's like, you know, and but you you are able to and you have the experience. The potential is all there. So from your own experience, I mean, you were a part of the high powered potential offense with the ball distribution, right? And so when you're a receiver in that dynamic, what do you have to do, especially the young receiver? What do you have to do to make sure that you are continuing forward progress, that you're not getting lost anywhere, that you're continuing to put your work together, even though there's, um, 
you know, a, a veteran player or someone who has that like years of, of trust with the quarterback? Um, how do you continue forward progress even when your job starts to look a little bit different? I'm, I'm glad you asked that. You got to continue to work. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you have to you have to be available and practice. Uh, you have to, if, when you can, stay after practice and work with the starting quarterback. Continue working with Matthew. Um, when your number is called, when the play is called for you, make that play. Um, when the ball is not going to you, make the play. Uh, stay involved. Stay engaged. There's so many ways that you can impact the game. We talked about, we, we, obviously, people are talking about Cup. I mean, talking about Hooker because of how many balls he's caught. But look at what he's doing in the run game. Look at what he's doing when other guys catch catch uh, passes. He's looking to turn up to block. So doing, continuing to do the small things while they're, while you're also fine-tuning your rapport and also building the credit and building the trust to up your target is what I would tell guys. I, I look, it's funny you asked me because I was trying to me talking to you when I was looking at my week, my rookie year, my first four weeks in the National Football League. Like I had a total of 17 targets in 14 in four weeks. I was a, I was a college all American. I was the ACC player of the year when I was, when I was drafted. I was the number six draft pick overall. Only had 17 targets in four weeks. You look up now, these guys got, you know, 20, 30, 40 some odd, odd, odd targets. So I wasn't getting the ball a lot, but I, but you wouldn't, if you'd have turned on the tape, you wouldn't have been able to tell because I was still engaged with my assignment. I was still engaged with my teammates and my responsibility. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, and I was still playing. There was still a game. There was still a job that I had to carry out, though I wasn't getting as many targets as I would have liked. But I knew if I kept working, if I kept improving, if I kept my rapport up with the, with uh with the quarterback, I kept building the trust in the offensive coordinator. And eventually, I knew that I would get my touches. And and like in week, um, and I took it down. But like in week seven, I jumped up to thirteen targets. Well, I earned the trust. I earned the confidence in Kurt. I earned the confidence in Coach Marks for them to give for them to, you know, target me thirteen times. So that's what they have to focus on. It's doing your assignment and and and, and still and still have and still. Having a contribution to the team and to the play, though you're not getting, your time will come. And I and I just think that's great stuff. And and I'm I'm grateful for Tori for his insight. Every time we talk, I, I learn something from him. But his point stands, Rich. It's like nothing, nothing is stagnant, and you have to keep. If you're one of these young receivers, even if your role changes, um, and it will for all of them when Cooper comes back in, but you don't stop growing because. There seems to me, it's like we talked about before cutting over here to Tori, there should be endless potential. If you have two and 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 honestly three, because because Tutu is really growing in this way too. If you have multiple receivers who can do so many things for you, it should be just this expanse of possibility. And I think that, you know, health and um planning and design, all these variables go into it. But but for me, if I'm a Rams fan, I look at this and I don't worry about rep share. I don't worry about right. fantasy points. I worry about what 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 am I about to see? <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. but, but again, and not and no no disrespect or judgment on the other stuff. Um I know people are really excited about some of that stuff. But I but I I just think like this this could be really cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and and that was really the beauty of you talk about those 2017 2018 offenses. I mean, that was so much of the beauty of this thing. I remember talking to Cooper about that. I think it was 
2018 training camp just about the uniqueness of, of that group and when you had those guys who who bought in like that and on the other side that's why you always found it a little difficult for guys like you know sammy watkins or, or brandon cooks like you never really found that fit exactly that they were you know looking for within that offense they thought that they could bring a certain element um but it, so i was laughing when you a few minutes ago when you when you said you know the letters and that was that but that was so true like i remember the same thing it was like we never sat there and going oh x x y f you know it was just like no they're gonna and that was part of the beauty of cooper cup coming in and, and what a revelation he was that that he could come in uh, even as a rookie and and do so many different things and that they can make that offense look so different i mean he was such a key cog obviously in in why that worked and and why they were able to do so much so yeah it's very intriguing i could see even from a from afar i can see the wheels turning in sean's head and and i know how how he processes that so uh, fascinated to, to see how those guys work together and if they can replicate that i mean in all this talk jordan we, we didn't even mention a, a tyler higby who's obviously you know such a trusted talent uh target too and and the things that he can do so there's a there's a lot of possibilities out there i also wanted to mention you know the, the offensive line i mean that that played very very well against the this past uh, Sunday against the Colts, uh, two position changes. You know, uh, Joe Noteboom going over to left tackle, and then Kevin Dotson coming in. Thought they held up uh, very nicely. So yeah, I'm, I'm not saying they're going to get back to the you know 40 point Rams, and it's going to be you know the the, uh, the heights of 2017 and 2018. But uh, to to think that you can put Cooper Cup back into this lineup now, and and to have that be, be so many options, and to have a Puka Nakua who's shown what he's shown over four games, Tutu Atwell working himself in now, not just a gadget player anymore, not just a guy who's going to have a, a a limited skill set or a limited package of plays. He can play now within the context of of your offense, which I think is a huge thing. Uh, it, you know maybe not from the outside, but, but to know that he can play a trusted role like that is not something that I saw coming. And I, I think is really big for that group. So Jordan as always really looking forward to the story that, that you're working on and uh, really going to be in a tough game. Look, Oh my goodness. I mean, this is uh, I, I don't know if this is a game you should look at as a barometer game necessarily, <laughs> just because, uh, and, and I mean that very respectively to respectfully to, to both sides. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm not sure you should draw a whole lot of conclusions based on maybe what you see this weekend. Uh, but maybe we start learning. Right. And and that's that's what all this is about. Yeah, it's going to I mean. It's funny, I'm not even there yet, just because, you know, it, to me, it's like that's a whole different conversation, a team like that, where they're at in terms of their contention and and they're trying to, you know, get back in that too, and then win a Super Bowl this year. And, uh, but in terms of, you know, some of the key points of physicality and resilience and all of those things, I think will, will be needed from, from the Rams side, um, to really prove, you know, this is for real in, in that regard. And no matter the status of the opponent, I think you want to make sure that you're, you're, you know, you're scrapping a little bit. And and this team has showed that so far for the most part. Um, and, and I think that that's, that's important. Um, and when we're talking about progress and growth, like we were at the start of this episode, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. One last thing on the Cooper cup stuff. I think that it's, um, one thing I think is fine. And I, I, uh, I think that everybody who thinks this is so valid, I think it is fine and valid to wonder and worry about the hamstring. A soft tissue is so fickle. And I think that's totally fine. What I think is what I probably won't 
have as much uh, reception for is worrying about what's possible. Because again, I think if for me, it's like, uh, you know, take your shoes off and run in the grass, you know, like free, <laughs> free your mind, man. No, but I just think it's <laughs> like, no, I just think like, like it, it, this, this season for so many people that including like analysts and, and fans, it was just sort of going to be what it was going to be anyway. So, and I, and I say this like down to like the calls and the everything, like just go see what's possible. And right. and I think that that's something that, um, that's to me, that's like kind of the next step with this team is you kind of see flashes of it on defense that they're trying, they're just trying stuff. Um, and you see a lot of new, interesting, very schematically well thought out, extremely, um, interesting things on the offensive side. But especially when you had Cooper cut back, it's just like this was supposed to be just kind of a season. I think some people thought it would even on the outside thought it would even be a a lost season in many ways. And it's not. They're competing. They will be competing as long as they stay healthy, especially at quarterback. They'll be competing. And Matthew Stafford's supposed to play this week, by the way, had a hip contusion. Um, But is Sean McVay did not sound worried about it at all. Um, Matthew Stafford himself said he would be back. Um, this week. And as long as everyone stays healthy, it just seems to me like there's all the pieces are there to just go see what is possible. And I think for fans, it's like, have some fun with it. I mean, I'm not lecturing anybody. I'm, it's right. just, it's just my advice, you know, covering, covering this league for almost 10 years at this point, things can change so fast. And we saw that in 2022, it can get so ugly so fast. Right. And so when, it doesn't it doesn't mean that everything is cohesive and put together and 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 um you know contending but you see possibility here right you really do and i think that that's where it's like lean into that a little bit like i'll right. i'll do it with you i'm right here with you guys um and also i would say like you guys were i'm speaking to rams fans fans of 11 personnel um any friends who listen to this podcast um you guys were there for me this last week and you know that dog is all i have <laughs> and you guys were you guys really showed up for me and i just wanted to say thank you for that and he's doing better um i hope you guys are also taking care of each other and taking care of yourselves i hope you're staying caffeinated i hope you're staying hydrated and we'll catch you next week As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.